Barry St. Edmunds, welcome to all the way from Cape Town. Pastor Anthony, come on, let's welcome him. Thank you so much. Thanks. Just remain standing. Come on, let's let's give us our time and attention to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We stand here today and we say, Lord, we avail ourselves to you. We recognize that without you we are nothing. Without you we can do nothing. Thank you that you're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You've you're foreordained and predestined our lives. We don't have to script our lives. We don't have to, uh, Lord, even create anything to do with our future. We just have to discover what you've already done. Yes, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you said, follow me and I will make you. All we need to do is follow you. And so, Lord, we thank you that you never let us down. You're always faithful and true. So this morning is your church, your people who believe you and trust you. We say we love you in Jesus' name. We pray. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, you may be seated. And uh, I'm not going to say one word about rugby or cricket. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about badminton or something or, or bowls. <laughs> um, but before I show you something that... Uh, well, let's talk about that first. Um, I'm really privileged to be part of a great church. Like, this is a great church. And the reason why it's a great church is because Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so we are part of an incredible enterprise, a very successful enterprise, because our, our managing director, our CEO, our chairman is unbelievable. It can't be faulted. It can never be denied. It can never be stopped. It's unstoppable. Uh, and, and we do win at the end of it all. Victory is guaranteed. And so uh, I just love the fact that when I come here, I feel like I'm at home. Because why we serve the same God, we have the same Jesus who's building his church. So uh, thank you for having me here at Beacon Church. So I'm from a church in Cape Town, and I've been pastoring for uh, many years. And uh, next year, my wife and I celebrate our 40 years of marriage. Yeah, that's right. They say... They say behind every successful man is a, a surprised mother-in-law and exhausted wife. So, uh, you know, you've heard it all. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be coming out next year with my wife. We're going to take a sabbatical and spend some time. But she's a powerhouse. She loves Jesus. And she's given me two beautiful daughters. And uh, next month, my baby of 33 years of age is getting married. My oldest one's married already for many years, for over a decade. I've got two beautiful grandchildren. And uh, I'm just privileged. I, I'm a happy man. And uh, I'm, I'm living my best life ever. Uh, when I turned 60 last year, I thought, this is going to be my best 10 years. And then I heard Nicky Gumbel say, the 10 best years of your life is 60 to 70. The second best 10 years is 70 to 80. And your third 10 best years is 50 to 60. So I'm living my best life. Anybody else there joining me? There we go. If it's hard to raise your arm, it's okay. It's, uh, you know, the joints and everything doesn't work as well. All right. I, uh, I want to get straight to the word. But before I do, I want to just tell you a little bit about 
uh, what we do, we work, we've planted churches, 20, we got 20 churches in Mozambique, Malawi, Zimbabwe, and South Africa, and my wife and I, we pastor those churches, and uh, we've also got over 800 cell groups, small groups. We believe in discipleship and the priesthood of believers. We believe in equipping people for works of ministry. We believe in Ephesians 4. We believe in the Word, amen? And so we want to see people equipped for life, and uh, so we do that through ourselves, and uh, we've seen wonderful things happen, and many people are coming to Christ uh, even in difficulty, uh, despite the difficulty, in spite of that. And, uh, and so uh, one of the things we do is we also, God broke my heart in 1984. He broke my heart for the widow and the orphan. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning I wake up and my, and my wife uh, sent me a message. But it wasn't actually for me. So I felt a little bit jealous. It was actually for Sujith and Reshmi. Um, she had a word that she felt God wanted to hear. Short, short prophetic word. She said, I do believe growth is coming to this church. I didn't tell her anything about the church. She said, I do believe growth is coming to this church. I saw a young boy that already, that already sprouted a beard. Things that take a long time will be hastened and you'll experience growth. The scripture says, do not be weary in welding for in due season you'll reap a harvest. This is a season to reap what you've sown. And I believe in particular growth in the youth. So I'll send this to you. Father, we just pray that let that be so. We say yes and amen. You are building. You know what's needed. You know what this city and this town needs. You know, you know what this county needs. You know what this nation needs. And Father, you're raising up fathers, sons, and daughters, but you're raising up champions for you. Lord, builders for you, nurturers for you, healers for you. God, people that, have, that carry your heart, that carry your DNA. So Lord, we pray. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So having said that, I want to speak about building resilience. I want to talk about how to build an overcoming spirit. Because whatever God has for you, you're going to see in a minute, you're going to need to be resilient. You're going to need to be strong. Uh, You're going to need to be an overcomer. Because Paul says, I pray that you'll prosper in your spirit, soul, and body. It's no good if your, your body is weak and you can't get out of bed. Never mind having great dreams and, and envisions of what could be and should be. But if your spirit, if your body is weak, you're not going to get there. It's if your soul, if your emotions are, are, are not in check. If, you're, if you keep living in the past emotionally and, and your mind is forever distracted. Well, the Bible says as a man thinks, so he is. So you, you'll never get to where you need to be because you're not strong in your soul. So you need to be strong in your, in, your, in, your, in your body, you need to be strong in your soul, but very much so strong in your spirit. Because the Bible clearly teaches us that we battle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. So ultimately to be victorious in life and to be the kind of person that God has destined you to be, you're going to have to learn to be strong in all those areas, how to be resilient. And so I, I want to speak about that, and I'm sure the notes will come up in a minute. But the definition is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties, or it's about toughness. We want my favorite movie. I'm going to watch it. Is Gladiator? Go die for your king. You know, it's like you know whatever you do on earth echoes for all eternity. I said once at church in the Bible, and the people all said, "Amen." I said, "No, the Bible didn't say that." Uh, it's um, our friend from Gladiators, but it also means the ability or or of a substance or an object to spring back into shape. The ability, it's, this, it's about elasticity. It's about being able to go like, well, I'm being stretched, but I'm going to get right back into it. And we must remember first and foremost that Jesus himself is a model of resilience. 
He fought through temptations. He fought through persecutions. And of course, the crucifixion. He didn't give up. He didn't step back. He continued to move into what he had. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run. Come on, everybody say, let us run. Let us run with perseverance the race I love this. Marked out for us. You don't have to create your destiny. God's got so much. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you. I've got so much in mind for you. Ephesians 3 verse 20. God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Man, you can, you, you've got to play catch up your whole life with what God has for you. But he says, let us, but what, what is our job? So we don't have to worry about God's work, God's job, God's role. And God's promises, we've got to think about what's our response. And he says, let us, come on, let us, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He set the standard. He showed us how to live a resilient life. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now he says, consider him. That's an example. Consider him who endured such opposition. He endured. He was resilient. Opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and that you will not lose heart. The reason why we can have confidence that we can be resilient is because we have a model. And so today we're talking about developing a tough spirit, a tough soul, and a tough body. Uh, Two great characters of the Old Testament show us how to be resilient in times of adversity. And you can do a self-study on Genesis 39. And you'll find Joseph being steadfast and resolute. In the book of Esther, you'll find Queen Esther doing what is right in God's eyes, no matter the consequences to her person. Because Because God was with both Esther and Joseph, they emerged victorious. Do you know why you'll be victorious? Because you're going to dare to believe him. Get out of the boat in the storm. I'm getting out of the boat. It doesn't make sense, but I trust him with my life. And so today you're going to see it's, 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 it's possible. And I want to look at some biblical examples of resilience. Uh, number one, uh, sorry, the, the, the PowerPoint will come on a little later. But number one, big faith. You know, you're called to have big faith. It's going to, it equals big trials. No, let's turn it around. Big trials equals big faith. You've got to understand, you don't need faith for what you can do. You need faith for what you cannot do. So God, what God's called us to do, this immeasurably more than we can ever think, dream, or imagine, according to Ephesians chapter 3, it, it requires faith. And you don't need faith for what you can do. It's what you can't do, which means to get to that place of having the faith that God wants us to have, we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Rick James said it like this, Most trials seem on the surface to present themselves to us as obstacles that prevent us from living a godly life. Trials are not actual obstacles, although they often feel that way. True, right? Like, why, God, why are you testing me, we, we often say. Um, but they are fuel for getting to your goals. I love that. If you, it's a way you look at it. If you look and say, well, this is this, the stone that's in front of me. It's not an obstacle. It's a stepping stone. It's, 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 it's going to help me get to the next level. And, and this, this water, the storm that's around me, it's going to help me to, to see a miracle. And by the way, at the end of Revelations, it talks about they're overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even, even unto death. The word of their testimony. What is a testimony? The testimony is, listen, 
This was never going to work. I was sick as anything. I was dying or I was going the wrong way. But because of a divine intervention, because of a miracle from heaven, God came and intervened on my behalf and he changed my circumstances. He changed my mind. He changed my environment. He changed my finances. He changed my health, whatever. And that's your testimony is God's intervention on your behalf. See, many of us want a victory, but we don't want to be the battle. The battle belongs to him who's in the arena, right? The victory belongs. You've you, you got to walk through that valley. Uh, you know, God used, somebody said God uses our trials to build our faith, draw us closer to him, to give us a testimony of his faithfulness for others to see. So when God gets you through these trials and, and is leading you through these trials, because you don't remember David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And when he, when he says later, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow, that was a rap song. Yeah, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow. Anyway, as he's walking through that, we mustn't think that he's walking alone. Because the Lord is his shepherd, verse 1. God's leading him. He will never leave me. He'll never abandon me. So God is giving you an opportunity for a testimony of his faithfulness so that other people can see it. Any form of resistance to what we want will ultimately show us what is in our hearts. You know, when you squeeze you a little bit, uh, I don't want to talk about your captain, but, you know, when he got squeezed in the game a bit, it was interesting how his tenor changed. But you know what? You squeeze anybody hard enough, you'll see what comes out. That's why road rage is always interesting. I was driving my car one day, and, and uh, this lady in our church, in fact, a very good friend of ours. It's like a family friend. She's like a, she's like a sister to us. And um, we're driving the car, I'm driving the car, and I'm coming around the bend, and she's on this car next to me, and she sees the car in front, and it's probably stopping, doing something she doesn't like. And she's got her, her, her hand on the, I was going to say hooter. We say the word hooter, but I said that in American, that's the wrong word. Horn. What do you say here? Okay, you don't say that in America. And, uh, and so, and, and, she, and she's pressing her hooter all the time. And, uh, and then she's got a finger out there, and as she's doing that, and of course her mouth was coming, I don't know what she was saying, but as she's doing that, she turned to the left, and she saw me sitting, and I went, it's always nice when you're the right, in the right, but I'm not, I'm, sometimes I'm on that side too. If you squeezed hard enough, it'll show you what's in your, hearts, in your heart. It will reveal the depth of your faith in God. It is easy to be blown over when we are rudderless in the ocean, or when we're not rooted in faith in God. The Bible calls it being tossed to and fro, easily affected by the wind. If anything, our faith must be strengthened in times of adversity, not weakened. You've got, you got to trust God for that. Uh, I climbed Kilimanjaro. I've climbed Base Camp Everest. I've joined. This year, I went to go and climb 6,500 meters. I'm going to climb Mirror Peak. It's going to be my best accomplishment. Well, we hit blizzards, snowstorms, and avalanches on the second day, climbing over this pass of 4,700 meters to the point we had to turn around because we couldn't see where we were. There were crevices opening up, crevasses opening up next to us. And I turned around, and I slipped down the mountain. And I saw my life flash. I had to learn how to deal with that failure. But failure does not determine who I am. Failure does not, does not define me. Failure should just inform me. James says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, can somebody say you know? Come on, help me out, you people. You know. Preach to the person next to you. You know. You know we love telling other people things. Huh? But you know. That the testing of your faith produces, it results in perseverance. 
Come on, let. I love this. James, the brother of Jesus, going, let it, let it be. Uh, you say you're looking for musicians and singers. They don't want me in Cape Town, but you think maybe there's a place for me here. And, 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 and James says, let. In other words, allow this process. Don't fight it. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the question you need to ask when tested, what is it producing? And when we test it, we don't want to produce vile things. We don't want to produce unbelief. We don't want to produce disappointment. No, we want to produce perseverance. I'm in this for the long haul. And so what does perseverance result in? And this is key, maturity and wholeness. Ephesians 4, you hear about the teaching of, you know, that the fivefold ministry is given for the uplifting, the equipping, and, and uh, positioning of the body of Christ so that ultimately it will become mature. But it also said that it won't be tossed to and fro. No, no, we smacked around and, and fall over, rudderless. No, we're not rudderless. We are people who are centered in Christ. We want to be mature. We want to be whole body, soul, and spirit. They flip it around, spirit, soul, and body. And Romans 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because, I mean... You're probably thinking Paul was a masochist. We glory in our sufferings. He goes like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, he doesn't do like, because he does, he does talk about asking God to take away the thorn in his flesh. Remember, he was struggling. He says, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings, because we know. Come, somebody say, we know. We know that suffering produces perseverance. And, and you better know this, because if you don't know this, you're going to say, God, you don't love me. God, you don't care. God, you're not in my life. God, you're not in my family. God, why, why is this happening? You're going to go that route. But when you know, you know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And, and Paul says in these three abide, faith, hope, and love. Because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so you need hope for the things that God has for you still in your future. You need hope to be able to go through that valley of the shadow of death. You need hope because with hope there's, there's love and there's faith. And I'll tell you something, you need faith because you don't need faith for what you can do. You need faith for what you cannot do. And so I'm a person that believes God for the impossible because he's the God of the impossible. With man it seems impossible, with my God, all things are possible. James says this in verse 3. He says, for you know. Come on, somebody say you know. Help me preach this morning. Would you do me? Help this African. You know. Thank you for the two employed staff. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Isn't that cool? When your faith is, so when you're going through stuff, you go, wow, wow. You could say what? I got the power. You, you know that power is coming. Power. You see, I don't know. This is like a spirit of singing coming on me here. <laughs> but it stirs up power. So if you would trust God in your moment, trust God in your, in your trials, in your difficulties, that God is stirring something up here in your life. He's getting power for you. Why? Because he wants you to endure all things. Let me give you an example of perseverance. Our good old friend, Colonel Sanders, KFC. You all know KFC? Eats KFC? Shouldn't do it. It's unhealthy. One of these perseverance stories is the founder of KFC, Colonel Sanders. Now, he started KFC when he was 60 years old. I'm 61. How's that? When he was 60, when most people are sitting on their recliners thinking about the last days, not the last days in the Bible, their last days, but when he was 60 years old, and it was after he received his first social security check, he was already getting social grants. And, and that's when most people hang it up, cross off the bucket list, fall asleep, watch TV every day. But he worked from 60 to 73. 
to master his technique and to grow his business. And this often came at the expense of sleeping in his car. He paid a price for it. It was hard work, but that's the key. He loved doing it. You know, if you love what you do, you'll do what you love. And, uh, and he loved people, and he loved food. And so when he sold the company, he earned millions of dollars and lived out the rest of his life in comfort, not needing to depend on his social security check. So quickly, number one, big trials equals big faith. Come say with me. Big trials equals big faith. All right, number two, resilience is for eternity. The reason why God wants you to be resilient because it's not just for the fight tomorrow. It's not just about the next 10 years. It's, for it, it's forever. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, which is talking about gold, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed coming of the age. Verse 4, it says in that same chapter, it says, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Verse 6 says, in all this you greatly rejoice that though now for a little while, everybody say for a little while, it says you may have to suffer griefs of all kinds of trials. But I, I love what Paul says in Romans 8. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, God, whatever God, whatever's happening now is for a greater good, for a greater future. So it's for so resilience for eternity. Number three, no shortcuts. Now, if anybody is like me, I like shortcuts. I like, I like what's the easy way out of this? What's the easy way? So, you know, when I used to get hidings at school, and I was always getting hidings at school, uh, and uh, I would always say, well, how can I get, you know, how can I get the least? If I go first, if I go last, I was always assessing it. I can get the least amount of pain. But the truth is, there's no shortcuts to breakthrough or success. I, I was a national karate champion. For, I was a middleweight, uh, full contact karate champion when I was young, and I had to work very, very hard. My brother was a heavyweight champion, and his wife was a ladies' champion. So you can see what kind of fights they had at home. Uh, they're still married to this day, miraculously. But, uh, but you know what? There was no shortcuts to our training. And uh, there's a picture of a truck under a bridge. Um, I think you've got it over there. Uh, if not, there we go. And um, Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, it would say proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's the word that Deja brought to you today. Interesting. She didn't know my sermon. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, For you do not know, that in, do you not know, again you should know, that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. There's a way to do it. Jesus told his, his, his followers the parable of the sower. As he explains the parable, he says the following in Luke 8. He says, but the seed falls on good soil, and the one that falls on the good soil, which is lives, people, stands for those who have a noble and a good heart. You've got to have a heart attitude. You've got to have an attitude check when it comes to where you are, where you find yourself, what you're going through. Because the Bible says, as your man thinks, so he is. If you think critically, negatively, if you think with a defeated attitude, you will live like that. But he says, no, no, we, we, we want to hear the word of God because there's nothing wrong with the word of God. God's word does not fail, does not turn void, the Bible says, until it has accomplished the very purpose for which it has been sent. So there's nothing wrong with his word. It's always the challenge of the soil that receives it, the heart. But it says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart to hear the word. And what do they do? They retain it and by persevering. 
with because of resilience, they produce a crop. Don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. All right, time is going. So quickly, number four, we persevere, we are resilient because for him. We're doing this for him. It's not for us, it's for him. Ultimately, he must get the glory. And what's the goal of being resilient or persevering? Hebrews 10, 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So God's got something in store for you. Because God always delivers on what he says. But you need to believe it, take hold of that, walk with that. Uh, You've got to do the believing part, the confessing part, and the activation part. But God watches over it to make sure it comes to pass. You see, actually, in, in all these trials, all this persevering, believe it or not, do you know what will actually keep you going? You want the real secret now as we almost close? You know what's the real secret? You want it? John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. See, Jesus said, I persevere because I want to finish. But what gets me to persevere, what helps me to be resilient, is it feeds me. Who would have thought, you would think that you tap out, that you empty out when you go through trials and tribulations. When you go through, no, no, you'll get, you get the power, but you get stronger and stronger. So number five, quickly, perseverance ensures a big stretch. Resilience will always ensure a big stretch. All right, everybody, I know you're getting sleepy, so everybody raise their hands high. Let's do a stretch. Do your biggest stretch ever. This is some of the most exercise some of you have done in the last three months. I know you, I know, come on, let's, let's go. You see, stretching is important. It's very, very important. I used to be able to do the splits with karate. So I could do the splits. I could put my leg up there. I was like, and then I came to Christ and I walked away from all of that and uh, began to serve and just do radical stuff and very, very crazy stuff for Jesus and was lovely. But I was at a Bible school and, and we did a drama. And they wanted me to do this like, we had this like this nightclub scene and we're going to talk about reaching lost people. And I would come there and I was going to do like a, a I would jump in the end and do a splits on the ground. Because they say, yeah, oh, you should do karate, you can do the splits. I said, yeah, I can do the splits. Now, it wasn't even a few months later from a time when I stopped stretching. And now I, I jumped up in the air and I, I promise you it was horrific. I did the splits and I never got up from there. They came and carried me off. Because I hadn't been stretching anymore. You see, your faith needs to be stretched. Your life, your imagination, your, your thoughts need to be stretched. Your heart needs to be stretched. Your experiences need to be stretched. And there's a very good reason for that. James 1 verse 4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete. The reason why there's got to be resilient, the reason why you need to persevere, and the reason why it needs to finish, because you want to be different, mature, complete, not lacking anything. I love that. And of course, in the last book of the Bible, it says, you have persevered, revelations to you, and you have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. And then this is the key part of it. He says in verse 19, I know your deeds, I know your love, I know your faith, I know your service, I know your perseverance. You are a resilient person. Why do I know that? Because you are now doing more than you did at first. And I want to prophesy over you that you're going to do more than you've ever done before and God's going to take you to places and He's going to take that immeasurably more for your life and you're going to see things you've never seen before do things you've never done before and your faith is going to rise and your, your understanding is going to be enlarged. Wisdom is going to be created. But you don't get wisdom deposited from you. It comes with experience. It comes with trusting Him. But what we have to do 
Because the Bible says the sluggard's appetite, Proverbs 13, is never filled. But the desires of the diligent, the resilient, are fully satisfied. You know, that's why the Bible says the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, the small, and, the, and I'm never going to step up, I'm not going to try this, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to believe, I'm, I'm going to just be safe, gets smaller and smaller. But what we have to do is we must hold on to Him. We have to hold on to Him. He's, he's, the, he's the author and the finish of life. Somebody once said, resilience reminds us that we cannot take on these trials alone. God allows for such trials to teach us to rely on Him for strength, wisdom, direction, comfort, and everything else in between. I love, I love this statement. Never hold on to anything tighter than you're holding on to God. If you're holding on to your fear, let go. If you're holding on tightly to your past, let it go. Hold on. If, it's gonna, if you're going to hold tight on to anything, hold on to Him. Never abandon you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. One, one Chronicle 16 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Not just on a Sunday, you roll up, rock up at church and go, Oh, there we go. Nice to see you, Jesus. No, no, I don't I dare not leave this building. I dare not go into my workplace on a Monday without him. I want his leadership, but I also want his governance. 1 Peter 5 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Some of you have gone through a bad marriage. Some of you have gone through a hard relationship. Some of you have gone through some bad relationship with your family. You've, you've been through a tough time. I, I, I'm not denying that. I, I'm just trying to say that in that moment, in that trial, in that calamity, you've got to understand that restoration ultimately comes from Jesus. I grew up in a family. My father was an alcoholic. We were dysfunctional, violent. That's why we, my mom and dad were both black belt judos. My, my dad was a, was a, only rugby I'll mention. My dad was a provincial rugby player. All right. He was a front row big guy, but he used to beat us when he was drunk. He was an angry drunk. I had many reasons to become like my father was. But in 1983, Jesus rescued my whole family. My whole family and he restored us. What the locust, the canker worm is eaten. You know, the thief comes. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I'm so grateful. My dad pastored a church for many years. He's now 87. He's retired. Both my brothers pastored churches. I pastored a church. Our families are in, in church. I mean, thank you, Jesus. I must finish. So what's the testament of your life? Has any significant breakthrough been merely through your own strength? Has it been through your own wisdom, your own capacity? See, you'll become strong, firm, and steadfast because of his intervention, his restoration, and his promises. So I close. James says, and then as you, your endurance, your resilience grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing, nothing lacking. That's the goal of being resilient as a Christ follower. God wants to, wants to enable you to be, to, to be successful, to be strong. But however, something has to happen here now. I want to do something right now that I think will help some of you. If you'll just remain open for just a minute. Hebrews 12 says, As for us, 
We have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. But here it comes. So we must first let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion, determination, with resilience, for the path has already been marked out for us. So the path's marked out. The race has been called. You're in the race. You're chosen. You're called by God. But you've got to let go. You've got to let go of that hurt. You've got to let go of that disappointment. And you know what? You've got to trust him to be the healer for the wounds that you're carrying. That's not his will, that you remain as you are. Do you know that Jesus loves you too much to leave you as you are? But he will come to you where you are to take you to where you should be. That's the kindness of Jesus. And so whatever head bound, your eyes closed just as we complete this morning. I know God's not finished with you yet. Some of, some of you, this is going to be a start of a, an extraordinary time of your life. If that is you, if that's something you need to let go of and you need to walk away from, um, and you've got to turn away from, uh, you've got to, it's a heart issue, whatever it might be. I want no one looking around. I want to just pray for you. Would you just stand? I'm going to pray for you. Where you are, then you can be seated. But just where you are, if that's you, stand now. I'm going to pray for you. No one looking around. This is your moment. Saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm walking away from this. This It could be an addiction. It could be just a hurt, a pain, a wound. Um, it could be a habit that is holding you back. And you, and yes, the thing, we all know what it's doing to us. We all know how it's affecting us. But I believe today Jesus is setting you free. He's going to set you free. He's going to heal you today. He's going to restore He's going to bring to mind. He's going to show you the victory. He's going to lead you to the promises that he has for you. And there are better days. There's promises to be fulfilled and there's dreams to be realized. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name for every person, every person here who's standing and saying, God, and Lord, I'm standing too. Say, Lord, there are things that I need to walk away from, I need to turn away from. Uh, These things that slow me down, they're they're not needed. They're not helpful. Lord, I, I want to become mature and strong. I want to be resilient. I want to be tough as nails. Lord, I, I, I want to believe you. I want my faith to be strong. I want my hope to be enlarged. And, and I want my love to be embracing, all-encompassing. If you believe that this morning, come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Would you do that? Can we all stand right now? Everybody stand. I love what uh, Paul says. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I, do one comp- I have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. You know, I love it. And of course, as we close, David went through many trials, right? David, from the Old Testament, writer of Psalms, King David. And he, a lot of his, own, his storms were self-created, but God was still merciful. But what did he learn? He said in Psalm 27, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Come, say don't give up. Can we all say that? Not just the paid staff. Don't give up. We don't want to give up. Don't be impatient. And watch this part. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave. Courageous. Joshua 1, right? Uh, Never lose hope. Yes. Come, somebody say yes. 
It's affirming. You know what amen means? So be it. Come on, everybody say yes. yes. He says, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. Thank you. And you lift your hands today for a blessing. Now may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. And may he make his face to shine upon you. May he give you his peace. And may you run with perseverance and resilience the race that is set out before you. May you let go of everything that has wounded you, offended you. May you let go of everything that's a stumbling block in your life. And may God produce in you perseverance and character and hope. And may you never give up because God will fulfill what he has promised. As you draw to the end of 2023 and we look forward to our new season in church, may you harvest the fruits of your perseverance. Father, we receive that word to us today and the whole church said, Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's appreciate Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome.